0: This is the Degrees of Separation podcast. That in, can't make A source for motivation, inspiration, and information for entrepreneurially minded black students and graduates. I took control of my destiny and my legacy, and I'm going to be blessed.
1: Today is about the power
0: of you. You will change the world. I love what I do. When you love what you do, you want to be the best at it. Degrees of Separation podcast. Hosted by Dr. Z. Separation podcast. I am your host, Dr. Z, and our guest today is the undergraduate career education assistant director at Columbia University in New York City. She's also an educator in the areas of sociology, diversity, inclusion, and is also a yoga instructor. She's here to discuss with us the impact of race on career experiences and expectations and give advice on how to alleviate unemployment and underemployment after graduation. Please help me welcome Ms. Nicole LeBlanc. How are you today, Ms. LeBlanc? Peace. I'm well. How are you? Great, great, great. Thank you for joining us today to discuss the matters that the de- Degrees of Separation seeks to help to alleviate and provide resources for, which are for Black college graduates and students who are looking to develop their career after graduation and also enter into viable careers. So thank you for joining us today. Yes, of course. I'm happy to be here. Great, great. So by training, by profession, you're a sociologist. Can you tell us how you got into the area of career education?
1: Yeah, sure. So it was kind of something that I hadn't planned, but I found that in my teaching of uh, sociology, with all of my courses, I was spending a lot of time outside of the classroom trying to help students, and particularly students of color, because that's the predominant demographic of students that I work with, figure out what were going to be their next step. So they're there getting an education, but to what end? And what are the things they need to do to make sure that this education was gonna be something that was actually of use to them? So Mm -hmm. I was spending a lot of my own personal time, so not like office hours talking about papers, but my own personal time meeting with students at cafes Mm -hmm. or a free room somewhere on campus trying to think about how do they navigate that space? And so I decided, let me give this a go Mm
0: -hmm. as
1: like a full-time
0: job. And that's really how I ended up in the space of career education. Oh, excellent, excellent. Do you notice a difference in opportunities available for Black students? I know you have a lot of uh, background with diversity and and working with students from various backgrounds, Mm -hmm. but have you noticed any opportunities that are different for people that are of color, but not Black, and then those that are, black college graduates and then of course statistically we see that there are more opportunities for white college graduates but do you see there being a difference based on ethnic background or racial background as far as the um, job opportunities?
1: Yeah so the main way that I I see a difference is in diversity recruitment pipelines okay that are available to students of color um, Mm -hmm. based off of their racial uh, and ethnic identities, in addition to gender and sexuality identities. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's honestly the the main way that Mm -hmm. I'm seeing a difference in opportunity. Um, In terms of opportunity and what is actually made available, the difference that I'm seeing is that especially for the, the environment that I'm in, mm-hmm. that students of color, low-income students, first-generation students, students with marginalized identities aren't always aware of mm-hmm. all the opportunities that are made available to them. Mm-hmm. And to me, a large portion of that is many institutions aren't making themselves visible to those demographics. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But we're also in a time where mm-hmm. it's, I'm going to say, trendy to be about diversity and inclusion right. so there's a lot more diversity pipelines that are popping up mm-hmm. so that at least by numbers there these companies and then institutions are trying to bring in a little bit more these demographics into their institution right okay so i would definitely say for students in recent grads to be aware of diversity pipelines to not be afraid to ask because sometimes they can be hard to find. Right. um, To not be afraid to ask an institution if they have any type of commitment to diversity and inclusion, if they have anything like a diversity pipeline, asking someone within human resources.
0: Okay. Why do you think that I mean, it may be an obvious answer, but why do you think that certain opportunities haven't been presented to students of color the way they have been to white students in the past? You know, and you're know, you saying that now diversity and inclusion is very trendy, but in the most recent past, before this whole push for diversity, what what was the challenge in getting more students of color and particularly black students involved in certain fields? I
1: think, honestly, part of it has been So I don't think that, I'll say, I don't think it's been a lack of interest on the part of Black students, on the part Mm -hmm. of students of color. I think that there are thousands, millions of people of color, right, because students are human beings, they're people, right? So there's all of these people that have interest, or if they're exposed to different areas and different roles, would have an interest in them. I think largely, in my opinion a lot of it has been the perceptions because you can't separate work and career from society and what is happening in society, Mm -hmm. right? And so I think there has been for... A number of reasons, a perception around the capability and the ability and the interest of Black students and students of color and what they'd be able to navigate. And also coupled with the fact that there are a lot of institutions that are predominantly led by white folks, in particular white Mm -hmm. men, who Mm -hmm. tend to reach out to their own network to fill fill positions that might be available or who they think of first. Right. And, you know, folks don't necessarily want to hear that and they don't want to think that that is the case. But that is the reality. So, I mean, unfortunately, if you are in the space of only thinking about your particular network coupled with, you don't think that somebody because of their identity is capable of doing the work, then that's not who you're going to uh make the opportunity available to, or you're not even going to think, let me reach outside of my network to expose other people to opportunities that might be available at my institution.
0: Right. And so it's kind of like an unintentional racism, but racism nonetheless. So I'm yes, not exactly. reaching out to people um, of a particular background, but I'm not a racist, so to speak. But right. who I'm reaching out to or that is in my network looks like me, right? So then right. that exactly. challenges others to, to be able to tap into an, an opportunity. So what are some ways aside from the networking and getting into these spaces that Black graduates and students can approach career development differently? Aside from what they usually, people go to the career center, they get their resume done, they do some interview coaching and things like that. But what are some things that students and graduates of color can do differently? And what are some things that career centers can do differently to help to alleviate in these challenges?
1: I think in terms, uh, I'll start with career centers first. Mm-hmm. I think part of what career centers need to do is really display and make known to students that they are a space that is able to navigate with students all of the identities that they hold. I right. think part of what happens is that people go to catch all phrases like, we support and nurture like all students. Mm-hmm. And but what does that mean? Right. And all students aren't the same. And oftentimes that can be a catch all phrase that's used to have in mind. I'm mm-hmm. still thinking within a very Eurocentric way of being mm-hmm. and existing. And so I'm centering mm-hmm. the white experience when right. I say all students. And so if you're very explicit in saying, or calling out on your website that you have resources and people available to work with, students of color, first-gen students, low-income students, LGBTQ students, and be explicit in calling that out. Then that lets students know that they have a space that they can go to, where hopefully there's someone there that can navigate with them. I think the second part of that is, in addition to bringing that awareness to students and having that within your marketing materials, but also going out to the spaces that they're in, like go visit them. Mm-hmm. If you can at different offices or when there's uh, different identity group clubs on campus that are meeting, be in touch with them, see if you can go to their, to their spaces. But in addition to that, you need to also be doing the work and the training mm-hmm. to make sure that what you're saying is actually true. A student doesn't read like, oh, okay, you serve students of color and then they come in Like, I had this experience, I'm preparing for an interview, what should I do with my hair? Mm -hmm. You have somebody that's not going to just say, like, oh, just be yourself. Like, yes, that's (laughs) nice, and in reality, that's what, you know, should happen. Right. But the lived experience is, that's not the same for Black students, students of color. And so having someone that's able to navigate that space and understand okay. at the very least that they need to take themselves out of it and really hear what's being presented and help a student figure out, like, what is the best thing for you in this moment. Right. So I think training also needs to happen to all people that are working in career spaces. So that, and specifically implicit bias training, multicultural counseling training, all of these things need to be happening for the staff in mm-hmm. addition to the marketing. For students of color, in terms of, Things that they can do differently. I don't necessarily want to say that there's things to do differently. Mm -hmm. I think there is holding the awareness that in approaching your career search or just your career journey, that you need to hold the awareness that applying online is a way, but it's not the only way. And Mm -hmm. what's really going to be effective for you is starting to form connections with people. So not being afraid. To go to meetup events, to go to events that are your school's offering with alumni, and just seeking out people that you could really connect with, in addition to trying to form mentorship type of relationships with people. Not only alumni, but also your peers, because you don't know who knows who, where, right? So Mm -hmm. thinking about networking In terms of really forming connections with people, in addition to things like I mentioned, like finding out about diversity pipelines, if that's being offered, and also not being afraid to advocate for yourself or to push back and question recruiters and employers, if that's something, if your identity is something that is really important to you when being in the workspace, and I'm going to say (laughs) it should be if it isn't, but Not being afraid to advocate for yourself and if anything were to happen in the workplace, thinking about how do I want to navigate with HR, especially if HR is predominantly all white also. And so having somebody to talk that out with, whether it is a career counselor, but utilizing the services that are available to you at your school. And if you're feeling like it is not enough, seeing if you can get together with people outside of the school, tap into people where you don't have to pay. For things and see like what free services might be available to you or also going to other institutions, either institutions, higher education institutions that are within the area or even outside of the area and seeing what resources are they posting on their uh, career center site because that's available to the public okay. and some places have really great resources.
0: I was recently reading a few studies that show that the wage gap has increased amongst people of color since the 1970s the wage gap between college-educated Black women and white women has actually increased. Of course, they are not going to advertise that, <laughs> you know, right. if you Black, you ain't getting this, whatever. But um, have you noticed maybe if students have come back and, and maybe mm-hmm. connected with you all at the Career Center and noticed that they're experiencing certain wage gaps or their peers or counterparts are getting paid more and there's a trend of, okay, well, they don't look like me. Because I've right. also noticed that it's the same with Black Men, the wage gap between Black men and, and white men has grown significantly, I think, since 1979. So there's this illusion of progress that is being made because mm-hmm. more African-Americans are getting into white-collar work corporate fields and things like that. And so there's this illusion that because so many more of us are having these opportunities that we are making it or we've made it, right? And so yes. but the studies are the numbers, and it actually completely shocked me too. Well, maybe not completely, but it shocked me. <laughs> The gap, you know, had right. so much since the 70s and 80s. So I was just wondering if you've noticed any of your students coming back and saying, hey, I'm noticing that, you know, my peers are getting paid more than me or they're having opportunities in a different way as far as financially than I am being asked maybe through promotion and, and things mm-hmm. like that.
1: No, I haven't really seen that. Um, And that's largely because students, and I don't know if it's different, you know, at other institutions, but students don't typically, I'll say this, the students Mm -hmm. that have no problem coming and saying, okay, this is the offer that I've uh, gotten from a place Mm -hmm. and this is the salary that they're offering. Has been white students, okay. I have rarely seen I could actually count on one hand uh, the number of students of color that have actually disclosed like this is the offer and how much i 'd be making what do you think that
0: is um,
1: I think that honestly and I think this is part of perhaps where some of the the solution maybe can come from. I think that for white students they're already coming from a space of entitlement, and so oftentimes. The reason they're coming is because they want to know whether or not, is that okay? Is that average? How can I negotiate for more? Um, and I think that it's very telling and predominantly it is white men. Yeah, it's predominantly white men come in wanting to negotiate salary. Mm-hmm. And I think that for women, particularly women of color, people of color, there isn't the knowing and not that anything is of their fault because mm-hmm. you have to learn everything right and yeah. if people aren't teaching you that it is okay for you to advocate for what you think your skills and your ability are worth to do that right so they typically women are not negotiating especially for a right. first job they're not negotiating salary mm-hmm. and particularly people of color women of color are not thinking that they can negotiate so I think I don't know I think mm-hmm. that what could be happening at least in my particular instance is that students are getting offers and mm-hmm. just accepting right. whatever has been laid out in the offer without right. knowing or feeling that they have the ability or the agency to negotiate that salary. I yeah. definitely
0: know that from personal experience. I remember my first job after I finished my first master's and I took the first salary that was offered to me. And I wish I had negotiated because, you know, and I didn't even think, right, that you could negotiate. Mm-hmm. I don't even think of that I learned that until, wow, I was... Probably maybe ten years later, you know, right. and getting Same. connected to people that are in HR, just even men who had negotiated, and I know that they, like you mentioned, women typically don't negotiate or as much mm-hmm. as men, and I'm wondering why that is. It, like when you say white males negotiate mm-hmm. statistically, I'm wondering what are they learning and who's teaching them. You know that they have. Right. This-
1: well, I think part of it is that again, like you're in career places of work are immersed within the society that they're a part of. So right. if you are already part of the dominant group and right. things are set up for you,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, whether or not you want it to be set up for you, the fact is it is set up for you, right? Mm-hmm. And so you already have people That you can visually see and see what they're doing. You have people that are willing to support you. They Mm -hmm. have people that are teaching you in a number of different ways that this is what you need to do to get ahead, Mm -hmm. right? Or this is what you need to do to stay in your position of power, whatever that perceived power is. And so I think that they have networks that show them this is how things run and operate, and this is your place within it. Mm -hmm. Um, And so they are made aware of this is what happens whether that's from people that are actually in the working world or whether that's from their parents that are like well my parents said this or whatever the case is and so you should do it this way too and I hear that all the time like Mm -hmm. well, my friend's parent said whatever or I went out I had an informational session with my friend's parents because they are xyz in this company and this Mm -hmm. is what they told me and so I think that is very present there I also think that even when it comes to The like just looking at job descriptions, there's a tendency for women and women of color in particular Mm -hmm. to feel like I'm reading a job description unless I meet all of the responsibilities, all of the skills that they're looking for, I can't apply to this. Whereas Mm -hmm. white students or white people, white men in particular, will be like, okay, well, I know, like, I know I have this, this, and this of it. I don't have it all, but I can just figure it out or I'll learn it on the job, Right? right? We tend as people of color. And again, this is because of the society that we live in, we tend to believe and think that unless we have everything lined up, we can't even step to the plate. Mm-hmm. And so that mentality continues on, okay, well, I have applied, but this is what they're telling me I am worth in terms of my skills and ability, so they must be right. So right. I'm not going to, it's not even going to be a question in my mind of, should I be making more? Can I negotiate? What is? What are other people in the same role, in the same geographic area making for this type of role and my hope is that people of color and black people in particular start to do more of that and not be afraid to negotiate negotiating doesn't always mean that you're going to get what you negotiated but at least you have made it aware to them you know your worth and what you're bringing to the table right and you can use that as leverage for asking for promotions etc but also like speaking to not being afraid to speak to or to challenge, like, what are places of works notions around mm-hmm. what it means to be successful
0: in order for somebody to be promoted? Okay. In in the regard of building a network, internships are something that I constantly talk to my students about, getting yeah. internships, whether paid yeah. or unpaid. I lot primarily with African-American students, Black students, and I'm noticing that they are not connecting to internship opportunities as much. This is just in my personal experience. I don't know the number or the statistics behind it, but also I'm noticing that due to socioeconomic status, a lot of them have to work paid jobs that may, impact whether or not they can take unpaid opportunities. So mm-hmm. they may be working you know, fast food or something to that's minimum wage just to keep themselves afloat while they're in school, which yes. sometimes interferes with whether or not they are able to um, take internship opportunities or even thinking in terms of internships. Mm-hmm. And I tell them internships are essential, especially to network building, getting your foot in the door, having that experience, yeah. resume building and all of that. So can you speak to that? As far as as internships and then ways individuals that may not be able to have the time can build in that area, those that are maybe working and don't have the time to do internships. Yeah.
1: So I would say that internships are really essential, particularly for certain industries. So if you are interested in moving towards big finance, big tech, big consulting, internships are really crucial, especially internships within the summer of your junior year. And the reason for that is because a lot of places uh, use that pool to serve as their recruitment for who they would offer a full-time position to Mm -hmm. for when they graduate. Right. Um, for most other industries, internships, yes, they're important, but I wouldn't say that ac- across the board, whether you're mm-hmm. interested in the big tech finance consulting or not, it's not the end of the world if you don't get an internship. So, okay. yes, you want to strive towards getting one. However, you want to think about because everyone's circumstances and situations are different. And as you mentioned, some people literally can afford to do that Mm -hmm. if it's not something that's paid. So I would say to do a combination of things. I would first check to see, does your school have any type of funding programs that you could apply to to Mm -hmm. supplement you if you wanted to go towards this unpaid or low-paid internship where they might give you funding for the summer or for whatever it is that you need so that you you can live or partially live. Mm -hmm. So to see if there's any funding programs available, if that isn't something that is available to you, I would say work the job that you need to work. If you could get a job that's related to or tied to the direction that you want to move in industry-wise, I would say to do that. If you can, if you can't, and you are working someplace that's unrelated um, to what it is that you want to move toward, I would see, is it possible for you to supplement that with volunteering somewhere within or related to the industry that you want to move towards or joining uh, clubs on campus that are related to that. The the plus side of being a student is that many employers are aware that this is your time for you to be exploring and they recognize everybody's not going to have the opportunity to have the internship or to work directly related to the industry. So Mm -hmm. what You want to be thinking about and starting to do your research on is for the places that I am interested in, what are the key skills that the overarching industry is looking for? And do whatever it is that you can do in terms of experience, but recognizing that things like, so some of the top soft skills, right? So your hard skills are the technical skills. So if you wanted to go into like architecture, engineering, et cetera, like data science, you are going to need a particular major In order to have the hard technical skills, but not every industry is looking for that. Soft skills, every industry is looking for. And some of the top soft skills are things like leadership, the ability Mm -hmm. to work in a team, the ability to communicate verbally and written, adaptability, research, analytical skills. And you can cultivate that from a number of different experiences. So... The reason I'm saying it's not the end of the world, if, you're, mm-hmm. ar- if you aren't able to get an internship, but you are just volunteering somewhere or working your job that you need to, what it would come down to is in your materials. So meaning your resume and your cover letter that you are highlighting that you have those soft skills that they would be looking for, regardless okay. of how you obtain in the experience. Okay.
0: I would like to know if there's any other advice that you have, General, that maybe you've left off in helping to alleviate unemployment and underemployment.
1: I think a lot of times the job search in and of itself can feel like its own job and it can mm-hmm. feel very disheartening. And <laughs> in, in a lot of Ways because unfortunately, the nature of the job search is that you're applying to a whole bunch of stuff and you hear back from very little. Right. And so that can sometimes feel disheartening. So I think the first thing is to have a support around you. And that support should just be one other person, but have someone there that you're able to talk to, that you're able to express to, and that helps you to remind yourself that your worth is not based off of a job. You are so much more than that. right? Right. That's that's not what you're, you didn't come into this realm to work. So just having someone to remind you of that. Also, in addition to that, not being afraid, especially if you are an alum of your institution, not being afraid to reach back out to the career center and see what services they have for alumni. So for example, at Columbia University, you are, as an alum, you have access to the career center for life. So at any age, at any point, you can come back and get services, attend events that are being hosted, networking events, et cetera. So I would say to look at your institutions and see what is uh, what's available to you and to utilize that. At the very least, staying in contact or joining the Alumni Association of your institution so mm-hmm. that you can go to events that are happening with other people from your institution that have graduated and using that as a place to network. I would also say to as much as is feasible to start connecting with people that are in the areas of interest to you and Mm -hmm. chatting with them, whether it's over the phone, whether you have the capability um, and the means to meet up with them briefly, like over tea or something like that in person. And you don't have to know them personally. So if you don't have a LinkedIn page, I would say set up a LinkedIn page so that you can connect with not only alumni, but people that are in the spaces and places that are of interest to you and reaching out to them. And it could be as simple as, hey, I see that you're doing X, Y, Z, or you're in this role at this company. I'm really interested. And then I would love to hear more about how you got to where you're at. And most people are pretty open to talking about themselves. So I would say to not be afraid to do that. And I would also say to try to approach your job search thinking of it like a class. Because mm-hmm. again, like it could be a lot. So if you say, for your, say to yourself, because sometimes people are like, okay, I need to be applying to X amount of jobs every day. And that can feel like a lot. And also not everybody has the capability to do that. But mm-hmm. if it's like, okay, at this day and this time, the same way that you have a class at this day and this time, this is going to be the time that I allow to the job search, at least starting with that. To to help you, and also again, like looking into diversity pipelines and seeing what is available to you, and seeing if there's anything that really resonates with you. Yeah, I would say definitely do those things, and also don't be afraid to advocate and negotiate.
0: Thank you. Well, I appreciate your time um, with us. Sharing this information is very important, I and mean, I think it's essential to anyone that's looking in the job market. So, thank you for being with us today.
1: You're welcome. i right.
0: happy to be here. Thank you. And thank you to the listeners of the Degrees of Separation podcast. This is your host, Dr. Z. And I look forward to you joining me on the next episode. Be well.